I'm Courtney. I'm Joe. And, and this, this is Courtney, Courtney and Joe, Joe Spoil, Spoil Everything. everything. Courtney, what you gonna do when NYPD Blue comes for you? We are kicking it old school today, NYPD Blue. To be honest, I never watched this as a kid. Uh, this is interesting for me. What about you? I bet it is. Um, it made me feel very nostalgic. I was into it immediately because I really love the time period it's set in. It's my childhood. Um, I love how it's shot. It's that gritty handheld cam, uh, very reminiscent of Hill Street Blues, which was one of its predecessors. And um, I never watched it per se. It's one of those things that's on in the background because your parents are watching it or, you know, you're at your cousin's having dinner or something like that. So no, I've never actually sat down and watched any episode of NYPD Blue either. And I was very happy to do it though. Yeah, I was very aware that I was watching an older show, but I didn't hate it. Usually I'm like, fuck, this is so outdated. I hate watching it. But I was actually pleasantly surprised on how cool this was. Uh, my thoughts going into it was this is like another cop show. There's like all these shows where cops go through these in trials and tribulations and stuff like that. It was very on par for that, which is fine. I didn't know really anyone who was in it because like oh. I, I never watched it besides Dennis France. Oh, you're okay. You know what? I do. But I think because they're all on other shows that you probably don't recognize them from. Well, no, no. I meant like I haven't. I don't. I don't know who's on it because I, I've never watched it. Oh, like I have no okay. recollection. I have like no idea like what the cast is. Oh, I just know God. Dennis France because he's like this frumpy guy with an <laughs> old school toilet bowl guy haircut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. he's the, the face of it. I don't really know. I didn't know anyone else, but there were a ton of people I did know. And I'll go over that in a minute. But oh, even um, when I brought up Jimmy Smith to you, you didn't know either. Yeah. OK, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. Give us some background on NYPD Blue, please. Ooh, I got a lot of things I want to talk about in regards to this. Um, the first one is Steven Bochco. So I know I'm going to get, you know, really TV nerdy here. Steven Bochco, in case you don't know, is one of the most influential creators and producers of TV of all time. Um, he made Hill Street Blues, which I know I reference a lot, but Basically, what was so interesting about that is it invented continuous storytelling for a primetime audience. So before then, only daytime soaps did that. So you would have primetime shows would do one-off episodes because they didn't know if people would tune in week after week. So Hill Street Blues was the first of a nighttime show that you're going to watch where something happens in one episode, it's going to affect the events in the next episode and so on. It's what we call, you know, typical scripted television. Now back then it wasn't a thing. So he had already revolutionized television um, in one way back in with Hill street in 81. Now here he comes in 93 with NYPD blue. He's going to do it again, but he's going to do it in a whole new way because NYPD blue I'm not even sure if you're aware of this, was a game changer for network television. It really pushed the envelope on realism and nudity and language and substance abuse, all these things that you hadn't seen on TV before. As you know, it was on ABC. ABC always wanted the series, but when they started reading through the script and there are obviously curse words and nudity that weren't present on TV at the time, they started to get a little gun shy. So basically, Bochco spends a year and a half battling ABC because he does not want a watered down version. 
And he keeps trying to tell him, like, I'm not trying to make this show scandalous. I'm trying to make it realistic. He even went so far as he spent hours in ABC Network's president's office drawing sketches of, like, what the nudity would be like. Like, you know, like, he really went um, over the top. I found this this great article um, from 1993, uh, a few months before the show actually premiered because it was so talked about and it was a really anticipated show for the fall season. And they quote Stephen Boschko saying, shows like these change the rules of the game a little bit. And when you do that, you are bound to generate a lot of resistance, which is so interesting because once it was out for public consumption, um, boy, did the people react. You had the American Family Organization take out full-page ads in, like, well-known newspapers asking people to boycott the show. Um, you had this Blackout. guy... Oh, God. You had this guy called um, L. Bryant Basel III who created the Parents Television Council, which we now know today as the U.S. Censorship Advisory Group. So, like, people are coming out against this because... You got to put yourself in 1993. They weren't singing bitch on TV. They weren't showing asses. They weren't showing people pounding shots at the bar. Like, it's not like it is now. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, this is a thing for people. But man, the people that were on board, this was a smash hit. It went all the way from 93 to 2005, ran for 12 seasons, 261 episodes. It was nominated for an Emmy, an astounding 84 times. It won 20 of those times. But I mean, nominated 84 times. This show is is a big deal. Yeah, the first season had 26 Emmy nods and six wins. So Yeah. I've tried to watch some old shows and you go, God, this really does not age well. This, I, I, I'm like you. I didn't have a problem that it was a little old. There was nothing that stood out to me that was super, super old school. But when you put yourself in that time period, it's like television wasn't like this. This is for <laughs> When he says, calls her a pissy little bitch in the beginning there, it's like they had to be like jaw dropping for people. Yeah. You'd be like, what? They just said what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've kind of had a glimpse of it, who some of the people in it are, what what have you found out about them? I'm going to do my character dive. And I got weird this week. I hope you know. Like I decided yeah. to get weird. Let's yeah. get weird. Yeah. All right. Detective John Kelly, Dave Caruso, my man from CSI Miami, uh, Rambo, Proof of Life. Fun fact about him. I'm going to do fun facts about them. Uh, He once worked at a police department uh, standing in for lineups for $25. What a pimp job. Never knew that was a thing. Can I uh, battle you on that a little bit? I was actually let down when I saw that David Caruso was in this because I don't care for his acting on CSI Miami. I'm going to get to him and his acting in this later because I didn't like it. I liked his acting in this. Wait, you like his acting in CSI Miami? Only because he does his, like cheesy one-liners and puts his sunglasses oh. on every episode. It's so funny to me. Oh, I hate that contrived writing or what I don't know the contrived acting that he does. I liked him in this. That's so interesting. Okay. No, I'll right. get to it. Why? Uh, Detective Andy uh, Sipowitz, Dennis France, Die Hard, City of Angels. He always wears a short sleeve shirt under his jacket. In the show, he always travels with his pet bird in real life, and he lives in Idaho. Those are very... He seems like a guy that lives in Idaho. Um, Interesting. I love his voice. Don't you just love his voice because it's like that gritty New York accent? Like, I love it. Oh, yeah. Love it. Uh, Laura Michaels Kelly, who is uh, Sherry Springfield. uh, She was an ER under the dome, stepfather. She appeared in a 1997 Gut and Milk ad which she then stated afterwards that she's lactose intolerant. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, we have Officer uh, Janice 
Lacassley, um, Amy Brennerman. She was yep. in Heat, Fear, The Leftovers. What was her big show? She had a show that was all her own. Was it um, Private Practice? Judging Amy? Uh, Judging Amy, though, I think. Guess who she's married to? The guy who produced Jane the Virgin. Oh, that's funny. Detective James Martinez, who I know from like a ton of stuff. He's in like the Adam Sandler Mafia now. Yeah. He always plays a cop. Um, Blue He's a big Blood, character actor. Longer, longest Yard. Um, fun fact about him, he met his second wife on a plane ride. She was a flight attendant. Ooh. We have pre-friends David Schwimmer. Yeah. Um, and Tom Towles, who you know as a big horror guy. Nice. That, that's all you. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I stopped. I was like, this cast is so big. The cast a lot is of these giant. people have gone on to do so many things. I just wanted to give you guys a fun fact. a little bit different this time. Um, well, his these... partners, um, his partners do get more well known as the seasons go on because you Jimmy Smith's who who was really well known on the show. I know you you wouldn't know that. Well, I just do it by uh, the pilot. I always just do the pilot cast. Yeah, and then I'll talk about the cast that ends up coming up in the finale. Okay, can I tell you a little bit about David Caruso and his BS? Yeah, tell me tell me some stuff about him. He's a strange cat. There's a lot of articles on how weird he is. He is. I, I've heard. Um, so he's only in this one season. What I thought was weird as soon as it started was he had top billing over Dennis Franz. And I was like, that's weird because Dennis Franz is known for it. But duh, because he's only in it for one season. So um, he had what they described as childish antics behind the scenes. And like if he didn't like a scene or wanted something changed, like he threw a fit about it. But he was the one that actually won a Golden Globe for the role. But he left after one season because he acted nuts and his payment demands were so high. So. It's weird because I never associate him with this show. I associate Dennis Franz and Jimmy Smith with it. So mm. it's it's weird to me that he was even so acclaimed with it. Yeah, I don't get it because acting was shit and I'll talk about it. Um, he was on Hill Street Blues too. So he was already in the Stephen Bochco like world. Yeah, I, I saw he pulled some people from Hill Street Blues back into the show. Get the yeah. gang back together type deal. Some fun facts. I only have two since you you covered most of it. Dennis France and uh, Robert Costanzo played brothers in Die Hard 2. And since this aired on a Tuesday, it aired the same night right after Full House. It did? You want to know why I don't know that? Because I had to go to bed after Full House. Yeah, I was going to say, because you had to go to bed. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You're like watching Full House and all of a sudden this fucking show pops up. Yep. Because I had to go to bed after Full House. What'd you think about the music when this started? I wasn't so much worried about focused on the music as I was because I feel like they attached a very tiny camera to a back of a bee and just let it go crazy. That's a super um that's actually a pretty important thing, those shots. Those were Stephen Bochco's ideas to do those shots like that and those quick shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well they um the reason I ask about the music is Mike Post. Do you know do you know anything about Mike Post? Is he the Law and Order guy? Yeah. He's a composer <laughs> he created TV's most iconic theme songs. He did, no shocker, Hill Street Blues. He did Magnum P.I., The A-Team, Quantum Leap, Doogie Howser, Law & Order. He did, obviously, NYPD Blue. He did a ton of them. And right away, you can tell it's him because this man basically gave television its sound. Um, I read an article from 1994 where he said that he scored more than 1,700 hours of television. That was 94, okay? Holy shit. He would come up with like these rhythmic sounds and they get stuck in your head. Like if you think about some of um, the theme songs that maybe you know or maybe you don't, Hill Street Blues is really well known for its like piano chords and it's supposed to be like this gentle 
contrast to like the police cars cruising the streets in the city. And then if you think about Magnum PI, Tom Selleck, so macho, he's got that red Ferrari. So they use like a lot of guitar riffs when they do the Magnum PI theme song. So mm-hmm. Mike Post is really well known for like doing that storytelling through music thing, because right when this um, started, the music, I was jamming along with it. I knew it was him even before the credits rolled. Like he's yeah. so big. I got, touch, yeah. 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 No, I, I realize it once you said it, like I, I didn't really pay attention. I know you're big, like listen to the music and stuff, but like you kind of knew because the music plays, it sets a tone for certain scenes and stuff like that. And yeah. that's how you can really tell someone who's like truly gifted uh, at what they're doing when it, it sets it up for it. Yeah. Our first scene starts with uh, Andy on the, you know, he's testifying, very disinterested in testifying about finding <laughs> cigarettes in the back of like some mobster's car. Um, and they were like, wow, it's pretty rare that 17 nails somehow got into his car between that and by the time you pulled him over. He goes, I wasn't watching his car. I was watching him and all this stuff. He's like, maybe it was the youths. <laughs> he's all, yeah, he's like, maybe it was a construction zone. He's so all business. And like, you know, he put those nails on that tire. It's so funny. Well, it gets thrown out. Uh, and then Andy grabs his nuts and calls the assistant. No, 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 no. Stop. Stop. What? Do you see who the DA was? Our girl Sharon Lawrence, who gave us a shout out in our video. Oh, shit. She is going to go on. We haven't touched on Sharon Lawrence yet. She's going to go on to be Sipowitz's wife. But this is the first time they're like interacting in this episode. I just know that she's his wife. Okay, well, Sharon Lawrence ruined it for Joe and I because when she gave us the shout out, we cut this part out of the video, but she told us that she dies in the series. But I know that she plays his wife and eventually she does die. Oh, well, anyways, he grabs his nuts calls the assistant da a prissy little bitch after having the case dismissed and i was like what in the world is going on i cackled right out loud i had to rewind and i made justin come in and watch it again because even now watching (laughs) watching it in 2020 i'm like that's pretty like woof like now people would be really pissed about that but then it was like even then it was like cutting edge because you don't usually grab your member on television So they get back and their lieutenant wants uh, to take him off the street. John tries to cover for him. He decides to go down to the bar where they both know where he's getting fucking juiced up. Apparently he's got a little drinking problem. I wonder how many butts Dennis France like just ripped during the series. I forgot that you could like smoke everywhere. So it's like he's probably smoking real cigarettes. Like you know, just walking around like. Yeah, I don't know if they even did the like fake cigarettes back then. I don't then. think so, man. I think they used to like smoke. The like even the bit. fake cigarettes still fuck you up a little bit like in mad men they always talked about like the fake cigarettes that they would use would just be disgusting yeah. and stuff but he's i mean he's all over the place he's in the precinct at different points smoking cigarettes like it's i i forgot that like you could go everywhere and smoke them back i'm surprised day. he wasn't lighting them up in the hospital yeah. like hey I'll stick one in the side of my air tube <laughs> Seriously. so he they had got like a little tiff so help me out clean your clock i go god i haven't heard that expression in a million clean your years clock. oh i love that expression it's such a good old school expression there's yeah. like a few that my dad used from when he was a cop and stuff like rain locker yeah. for being a shower and, and stuff like that like all kind of old school stuff and i just love hearing those does it make you think of your dad at all when you watch like a cop show like I was my my father was a firefighter, so I could never like I got upset when I would watch Backdraft. Like I wouldn't watch like a lot of like. Oh my god, Backdraft! Oh, Backdraft! You know so I mean? it's such a good movie. Um, 
Not really. It's more so in like Prison Break because he was like a CO. Yeah. Well, he's a sheriff and they're kind of like COs. He's a canine person, so it's a little different. But there's some stuff like just stories in general. Yeah. Um. Then the next scene is they cut to Andy just going off the oh, deep end. Sibowitz taking matters into his own hands. <laughs> like, like that, that scene, I could I could have watched it for 30 minutes. It mm-hmm. was so good. He rips him out of the, the mobster out of the place. He's shoving socks and money and toothpaste into his <laughs> <laughs> Takes his hair off his head and shoves it in his mouth. <laughs> and then he's like riding on his back. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. He, I go, I go. Sipowitz is out of control. <laughs> like, it was yeah, awesome. he it, that the mobster guy. He's just he's just like one of those character actors that's just like always oh, a mobster and like everything. Like I've seen him like ten thousand times. I didn't even look at his IMDb page. I'm like, dude's been in fucking everything. Yeah, he's either like an Italian cook or he's like a mobster. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in movies like where he's like that Italian stuff. guy. I got one for yeah. you. Sipowitz is like. I'm gonna break a few laws to make sure these other laws are followed. <laughs> like he's badass. Yeah, carton of cigarettes. So this over fucking, you know, this end up with. I guess we'll find out more backstory between those. I mean, we won't, but I'm sure the audience would have found out more backstory why those two don't like each yeah. other. Yeah, so it's just you know when you're in New York City, you're, you know you're a Massachusetts boy, but when you're a New Yorker, especially a person who's in New York City, and I think you're in law enforcement because the mafia scene is so big in New York. I'm sure that you're always trying to put a stop to it in a way, and it's like you're trying to catch them, and no matter what you can, like there's big mafia scenes all over the state has been for many years. So I think it's one of those things where there's always like that rivalry because you want to shut the mob down, and so I think that's probably the late wait you don't think that exists in massachusetts i do but you're irish mafia and it's not the same there's italians too in the north end today there is a tribute billboard it's right outside td garden it's like a block away of a mobster leader oh gosh it's fucking everywhere we have the irish and the um and the italian mob it's probably not not as prevalent and well known and and talked about as the new york city italian mafia but someone in my uh hometown he was from here he just put out a book about all the years he spent with the mob like it's there's a lot more than you think you know and because my mother's maiden name is a certain mob family people always thought we were (laughs) we're not (laughs) by the way but (laughs) yeah brown is no i know just fucking with you So, obviously, an internal affairs investigation has to be done. Andy goes out, rips four or five shots. He's, like, physically shaking. I'm like, is he pissed from this? Or is he, like, that much of an alcoholic where he's getting the shakes? I think he's that much of an alcoholic. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. And now he's with a hooker, apparently. But they already have some kind of arrangement. He's like, ready? Like, I was like, oh, they know he's hooker. She's, like, already sitting there waiting for him. The hooker sets him up from the mobster from the earlier scene, and he fucking lights him up and shoots him a bunch of times. Well, wait, 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 wait. I got a couple things to say. First of all, he took the the prostitute home, and there, there was a pretty steamy scene in episode one. We'll get to the other one after. But, like, to kick off a show, I was like, oh, shit. Like, he was heavy breathing so much that Justin's in the other room. He's like, what's going down? And I was like, they haven't even started doing anything yet. Like, the dude, like, it was steamy. He's ripping butts. He just had five shots. Yeah, like, and then when he comes out, he shoots him. I go, holy shit, this is unbelievable. And they they show the blood shot, like Mm -hmm. the blood. That was something that I knew definitely was not around. It's been always, like, implied violence. 
from my recollection of Hill Street Blues, I think in the pilot episode, they actually shoot two cops in that too. So it's kind of reminiscent of that. Um, but you're right. They're not, they're not showing a lot of blood splatter. I'm like, they're going to shoot Sipper Witz in episode one. Like it was incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. It was incredible. Yeah. And definitely showing the blood and stuff. Like even today that holds up, you know what I mean? It was intense. Yeah. I was like, what a way to shoot him in the pilot. Like, that's crazy. Like you would, didn't even get to build his character or anything. And he's like a longstanding guy on the show. Yeah. You know what I fucking love about that though? What that does is like. You take a gritty show like this, you shoot the main character in the very first episode, it makes you think anything could happen from here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like what the hell goes. is going to go on? This is different from Law and Order because they're such like one-off, you know, villain of the week type shit. This I was into because you're like, oh, this has got somewhere it's got to go. Right after this, John's character loses. Like I lose John's character. He goes to the mob boss. He gets out of the mob boss just by his reaction that he, that guy didn't get the permission to hit especially on a cop yeah and the guy comes over and grabs his shoulder he's too small of a man outnumbered to be grabbing a guy by the yeah, neck. i don't think i'd be in the mobster joint grabbing this is where i'm like he's not a tough guy he's the paper pusher you have yeah. the tough guy who shot agreed because i have a similar feeling it's like they almost switched roles for a couple minutes in that and i don't know if it was purposeful because like all the time he was trying to be like oh you know calm Sibowitz down but now he got so enraged which is fine you know it's a fine choice but I know what you mean it's almost like you're just going balls to the wall now like no but him as a person statuesque wise fucking redhead yeah like thin short he's only like six feet well six feet is not short but you know (laughs) we're not all giants like you bud (laughs) yeah he's not a big guy like He's not an intimidating guy to go in and try to intimidate a bunch of mobsters. You know what I mean? Agreed. That's not his thing. And just his acting was piss poor in that scene. I did not like it. I didn't have a problem with his acting. I don't think it was a wise choice to go in the mobster joint and start, you know, cuffing a couple of them because that's a quick way to get your own self, you know, sleep with the fishes. Yeah, he just then he he goes back, grabs Martinez after they yell at him about it because he apparently knocked a wire they were using to to listen in on him. But he grabs Martinez and they start going around. They get like the bookie and stuff like that and start arresting people because he wants justice served rather than just seeing him whacked by the mobster. I agree with him and that's that's still where it goes back to he's uh, it's good cop bad cop right he's still a good cop at the end of the day he still wants to be by the book and do things the way they're supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh Bieber starts going off. His wife's at the station. He's late. He's supposed to sign his divorce papers. He goes down. It's like, "Hey, my guy got shot. Can't do the divorce papers now." David Schwimmer, I'm going to stick my fist up your ass if you <laughs> say one more. is still Ross Geller in this. This is the year before Friends started, yeah. right? Yeah. But he's so <laughs> skittish like Ross Geller. <laughs> like it's like he's probably only my god, he's probably only like 21. 22 in this show yeah you think he's doing it with the wife too because he's like oh no they are three dinner okay okay he mentioned it it and i'll get to it okay so the cop behind the desk i knew immediately her name's janice shot Mm -hmm. him a look and i was like she likes him they end up talking they go for dinner they hook up and apparently that's the first nude scene yeah first but on television joseph this is important uh wait before they get naked though did you dig on the panty and bra set like the white cotton (laughs) nothing nothing 
she was not prepared. Let's just say that. I don't no, think she, she, she wore the right underwear set. But the best part about that whole scene is something I did listen to for once is the music. I could not help but laugh out loud. Justin comes in. He goes, are you listening to a softcore porn? I go, no. <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought it was. It was a very like Cinemax like scene. Yes. You know what and I it mean? Was, you got an ass. You got a side boob. There was a lot of rolling around. And then, like, David Caruso even got up and showed his yeah, ass. What? 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 You're going to roll off the damn bed. What are you guys doing? Yeah, that was... Um, Just wrestling. That was... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that was a pretty steamy scene. I go, wow, we get two sex scenes in the first episode in the 90s? Like, this is really something. Yeah, well, good <laughs> thing we see the other guy's ass. I would have... I would have been like, too much fun. I thought, because I knew this was the first ass on television. Uh, I just knew that from, like, you know, pop culture. And I, but I always thought it was going to be Dennis Franz's ass for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. It was my guess. And if you didn't know that was his goddamn wife at the door in the morning, you um, are just, you, you don't know television. Oh, he goes, I have some company. I was like, oh, I hate stuff like that, man. They both got to be feeling like dog shit. You know what I mean? Do you think that the the cop that he slept with, do you think that she's a dirty cop? Because she was talking to the mob guy after. How did you not catch on to that? How do you even question? All right, whatever. I'm not done yet. Let me keep going. Well, do you want to know why I thought? Okay. We're going to get to that. The guy goes to HQ, the mobster, and says, hey, I was in Atlantic City. It wasn't me. They're like, hey, shithead. That was three hours after. After he was killed, did you end up there? Obviously, it doesn't take that long to get there from get there. Get on the Jersey Turnpike. Uh, someone breaks into the apartment, breaks David Schwimmer's nose. Poor Schwimmer. He got the raw end in this deal. But here's the thing. She comes up and she says, I'm sorry I acted that way. You've been just trying to get company the way I've been trying to get company. Saying okay. she's been sleeping with David Schwimmer because he said, remember earlier, oh, you're doing this for free? Oh, she must be making you dinner. Yeah. That's code for you must be fucking my wife. Oh, I thought making dinner was just dinner. <laughs> I didn't know. He played it off nonchalant because he's like, he's an idiot. Nerdy, but that's yeah. what he meant by, she must be cooking you dinner. Aha. Okay. You don't just come over for dinner. She does not just going to drop dinner off at the door and be like, here, here's payment one of three. Here's two of three. Here's three. <laughs> no, I see. Yeah. Cause I didn't. Okay. I didn't put that together until then. <laughs> then the next scene, which somehow you question. Can I tell you why I question it? Why? Amy Brennerman's character is talking to the mob guy. I was like, oh, maybe they just tracked her down and they've been following her. But then as the conversation went on, I was like, wait, does she have dealings with them? Like, she's like a dirty cop. So I guess I didn't, I don't know. It wasn't super clear. She's working for the mob or has some sort of dealings with the mob and they want to kill John. All because he went in there and made a ruckus, basically? Yeah, basically he's super disrespectful to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like going in and causing a scene at the restaurant, which he probably owned, he's going and just disrespecting him to his face and acting like like a little punk kid. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I suppose like we could go back and watch more of this because there's so many seasons. But like, I kind of want to know why she's she only lasts a season or two too because I looked at the character list, and so I want to know why she's entangled with the mob. She was out to dinner. She said that her family were cops. She could just be lying about that. Or they were. But she 
was pressured to go into that line of business and really she's just kind of shady she could just be sleeping with him to get close to him oh i think that i do think that for sure there was i'm glad there was a little twist though yep. i'm glad that was kind of like a twist thrown then i always appreciate that in a pilot episode when you when there's yeah, a, you know in retrospect that's a big pilot even yeah for like back then like solid pilot you had character introductions you had one of the main characters get shot you had two sex scenes sex scene well you set it up because like i said that sipowitz's wife down the line so you set up some kind of chemistry between those two you've had a couple of sex scenes now he's got a drinking problem he's been shot she there's a twist there you know you don't know who's gonna keep their job or what the next steps of that was gonna be and then then the last, last, last scene when Sipowitz, Kelly goes to visit Sipowitz, he gives him that nice heartfelt speech. He says, I, I, I'm not counting you out. And Sipowitz squeezes his hand. Now you've got hope propels you into the next episode. Yep. There is a lot. There is a lot in there. Yeah, that's why I told you. I was like, this is going to be a dense episode. Yeah. And you were like, what do you mean by dense? I'm like, no, it's just going to be a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's, um, you know, you know, one thing it left me wondering is what led to Sipowitz drinking in the first place, like long before, you know, this episode had the job just gotten too much for him. Like what's his back. Well, it said that he was a 20 year vet. He's probably sick of bullshit. Yeah. Fucking corruption. People just getting away with stuff. Probably came in bright eyed, bushy tailed and tried to like do good. But then you just get beat down. You just, it just takes its toll on you. I want to figure out what crime issues there were in 1993 because, you know, when you talk, like when we're going to do the show The Wire, I know that that is the beginning of the war on drugs. So I'm wondering if 93 or the early 90s, there were some real crime issues. And because when you talk about corruption, he's trying to shut down the mob. Like, I wonder if that was a really prevalent thing at that point. And that's also why he's so trying to shut everything down. In 1993 was the first World Trade Center bombing. Okay, New York City, the biggest freaking city in, you know, the world. Super understaffed, like super not paid well. Got a bunch of shit. Being a cop, you have stress at home, stress in that. Divorce rates very high. That probably have just beaten down him. However, John has been a cop for 15 years. So that means that they've been partners for 15 years. I know that... Sibowitz changes out partners like four different times as the series goes on. Um, and I'm interested in how that plays into his character as well, because in the pilot here, like you say, we've got two people who've been working together, you know, for more than a decade. They have a real familiarity. I know Jimmy Smith comes on and does his next partner for maybe like, I don't know, four years or something. And then you kind of get some young ones because Ricky Schroeder comes in. Uh, Mark Paul Gossler comes in. So Maybe as it as it goes on, he loses some of that grittiness, some of that angst that he has, and kind of becomes more of a mentor to the younger ones. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm I love thinking about Sipwith's backstory, though, man, because he's so dynamic to me. Like, yeah, he <laughs> just tell from like the little bit that I saw, like he's gonna be great. What his character is at by the end, like, give yeah. me some of your predictions moving forward. I have one plain and simple prediction. The ending is Sibowitz's retirement. <laughs> because what else could it be? He's the only one who survived 12 seasons. He's gone through four different partners. I mean, if you're talking 1993, he's a 20-year veteran. You're going all the way to 2005. I mean, he's, you know, what else could it be? Yep. I mean, I think that's great. It's got to be that. It's He's got to pass the reins on to someone and, you know, kind of groom that next person that comes in. I think he's going to go through a lot of things. Like You don't know this, but Jimmy Smith, every everybody back then knew this happened 
Jimmy Smith, who comes on and he's his partner, they get a really tight relationship. They're the two that were known for the show. He dies a few seasons in. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's got cancer or some kind of illness. And that was a big thing for back then. So it's like he's got to go through that whole thing of losing. Like, I know that David Caruso, they may, they write him off by making him like moving away or maybe he quits the police force or something. But now he's got to deal with losing a partner to death, which is. Yeah. You know. So what ha- that happens in a lot of cop shows like Southland, which I love, mm-hmm. you have these people that come to a realization that they need to get their shit together and maybe find a new rejuvenation in their job and their career and want to do good because of someone or because of an incident. Maybe it's him getting shot. Maybe it's his partner dying and that they want to become better. They want to be good. They, they get a kick in the ass basically like a fucking wake up call to get going and get their shit together. And that's a very common theme, I think. And it might've stemmed from this show. I wonder how many things in this started trends that Mm -hmm. we don't know about because I've seen a million law and order SVUs and in, in that, I wonder how much of that came from here because I've already noticed a few things that came from Hill street blues into here. Now NYPD blue was a huge, huge, huge show. My God, this had to kick off so many pop culture things influenced the way cop shows are done. We're not, we're not going to really piece that together, but there's gotta be so much of it. Absolutely. I think it was a phenomenal I it would still hold up today. Like if you're one of those people that are reluctant to watch a show because of the year it came out, I would suggest give this a shot. You get lost very quickly in the story that you don't notice the time frame that it takes in. Obviously, you said the cop cars look different. You know, they're '90s, they're boxy. You know, they dress a little different, but ultimately they're they're in suits and stuff. Like it's like you barely know when i tell you i love this i love this i'm like oh i could just watch a few more because like the, the series finale is 12 years away but i'm not gonna do it i'll watch the series finale first and if i want to go back i will but i wish it was still on so i don't have to watch law and order in the background all the time i think this would be kind of cool to watch in the background i'm sure they did it for a very long time sometimes i don't like when shows bring in too many new characters because you shifted now what my original ideals were with it a show like this that goes on for so many years like when you talk about er you talk about Grey's anatomy you have to it's inevitable if you have an ensemble cast you got to switch them out just because of contracts and storylines and whatever what i'm getting at is sometimes i don't like when the new characters are there because i don't want them to change the original person a whole lot i want to see someone have development i want to see sipowitz have development of course but i don't want to see him change because i dig on who he is no i totally get that totally get that you know at the core of it he's still gonna be in, like tough guy ass kicker hard ass i like yeah. that uh, i hope he never stops smoking cigarettes um yeah. because that's just awesome that's his thing and and we do know that he marries sharon lawrence's character and she does die because she told us. And so that's something else he's got to go through. And I, I want to see that side of him too. Um, I don't want to see him change as a cop. I want to see him change in his emotional aspects. So Absolutely. that'll be uh, interesting. Well, stay tuned because we're going to be back Thursday and we're going to talk about it. See what Sivowitz looks like, like a decade in the future. Probably still going to look the same physically, but we'll see how he is mentally. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned Thursday. We'll be back. We'll wrap this bitch up. Bye.